light of infinite. Hey there you, shattered in a thousand pieces, weeping in the darkest nights. Hey there you, try to stand up on your own two feet and stumble into the sky. When the lights go out and you're on your own, how are you going to make it through till the morning sun? Sing to the moon and the stars will shine. Over you, heaven's going to turn the time. These are the lyrics to the gorgeous song Sing to the Moon by Laura Mavula. If music has the power to heal, then hers can resurrect the dead. The first mitzvah commandment given to the Jews is to sanctify the new moon, Kiddush HaChodesh. As we read in this Pasuk, this verse, in this week's parasha, HaChodesh Hazel Lachem, Rosh Chodashim Rishon, Hu Lachem Lechodshe Hashana. This month will be for you the head of the months. It will be for you the first month of the year. Rashi explains that Moshe wasn't able to fully understand the mysteries of the new moon until Hashem, God, showed him visually how it happened. And explains that because Moshe, the greatest prophet, had difficulty understanding it, Hashem showed him the exact moment of the moon's renewal. It's taught that Moshe learned the deeper reason for the moon's waxing and waning, one of the mysteries behind creation, similar to the process of Tzimtzum, the contraction of God's infinitude into our finitude, which led to the coexistence of light and darkness, revelation and concealment. As we know, each mitzvah commandment a person performs rectifies the soul a bit more and brings the person closer to God. This is the cycle of tshuva, our repentance and return to God. Every person experiences ups and downs throughout their journey, and it's the power of return that keeps each of us going. This is mirrored in the waxing and waning of the moon, and its spiritual rectification and illumination. There are periods when the moon is in complete darkness, when we don't have that light, and these are inevitably followed by the periods when the moon is brighter and makes everything shine. We saw this with Avraham, who couldn't go straight to Canaan, Israel. Instead, he was instructed to go down to Egypt first, but as we know, he came out with greater wealth and on a higher level, which was a foreshadowing of the children of Israel's exodus. The whole nation ultimately needed that Yerida, that descent, in order to have the Aliyah, the ascent, because the height and light come from the falls and the darkness. Since everything physical is a reflection of its spiritual counterpart, there is no ascent without a prior descent. So we have to stay faithful and focus on the light, or we can get consumed by the darkness. The plague of darkness also takes place in this parasha, this Torah reading for this week. Rashi explains that the darkness was a tangible thing. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov explains that within the dichotomy of existence, body, soul, matter, form, dark, light, death, life, each side is connected as one. So for example, those who pursue the pleasures of the body are pursuing matter, darkness, and death. And those who pursue longings of the soul merit light and life. The plague of darkness enveloped the Egyptians, who were steeped in physical lust and materialism. To them, it was palpable darkness. It was the same with the Jews who fell to those lowly levels of being enslaved by physicality, one's body and one's desires, all concepts related to death. They chose not to leave Egypt and so were swallowed up by the darkness. The flip side of this is spirituality and light, and so the Jews who awaited salvation merited their light in their homes, as spirituality is synonymous with light and life. This light is a small piece, a taste of the light of the world to come, and of creation that first brought life into the universe. The dark forces of anger and hatred bring death. What we learn from the plague of darkness and the light of the new moon is that light and life are equal to love, and these can only manifest by ridding oneself of the shell of anger in order to reveal the goodness of the soul. In other words, being judgmental, meaning acting like a court, even with oneself, is the source of anger. As we read in this pasuk, in this verse, 
This month will be for you the head of the months. It will be for you the first month of the year. The Jewish people on calendar revolve around the moon and its many phases, and the holidays follow suit. To give some perspective, we are now in the year 5783, according to the Jewish lunar calendar. Each month, the new moon first appears in the sky and has no more than a small point of light. Rabnatan of Breslov explained that sanctifying even just a tiny bit of the moon's light elevates it. It said that when the moon was created, it was created with a blemish, but our ritual of Rosh Chodesh spiritually rectifies and restores it to its original intended glory. When we rejoice over just a mere speck of light, that good point that we merit to find, despite it being infinitesimally small and concealed in darkness, we ourselves are rectified and genuinely becoming deserving of God's seeing and revealing light within us. Prior to the permanent establishment of the Jewish calendar, which happened around 358 CE, a new month was deemed to have begun only after the Sanhedrin, the high court, declared it, based on the testimony of two reliable witnesses who had seen the new moon themselves. When the witnesses saw a sliver of the moon, they would come before the court and say, Mikudash, Mikudash, sanctified, sanctified. The court would then declare the new moon official. Then, and still today, we as a community give thanks to the reappearance of the moon and commemorate the tradition of reciting the Kiddush Levana, the sanctification of the moon blessing. It's interesting that the Egyptians serve the sun, one of their gods, a static, unchanging element. But the Jewish practice is to see the potential of constant rebirth and that the cycle brings holiness. Therefore, all of the festivals and rituals revolve around the practice and around the new moon. The expanding and contracting of the moon is just our perception, as the moon actually remains whole. It's just our perception that changes. And in our own lives, so much of the quote-unquote bad and good are our own perceptions and reactions to what is around us and within us. We remain whole even when we feel broken. As we know, the moon is a reflection of the sun, a lesson in ego. We are always reflecting God's light, even when we think it's our own. Once we tap into that godly energy and recognize that all our strengths and goodness comes from this source, we can also begin to recognize how truly powerful and capable we are, not because of our own doing, but simply because we are created by God. This is a powerful thought when bringing about renewal of the self or when trying something new. Rather than thinking we are alone or responsible, we can realize that we are part of an eternal oneness and are in fact a divine reflection. This makes anything less challenging. Realizing that we are reflecting the power of God serves as a catalyst for immense change. This restoration of our spiritual selves is also central to the rituals of the festivals. The high holiday festivals fall on either the 30th or the 31st day from the previous new moon. So the exact timing is determined by us as part of the living Torah. Unlike Shabbat, which has been set since the beginning and will consistently until the end of days of Kulo Shabbat, entirely Shabbat. Our sages refer to that time as the Messianic era, when darkness will fully be transformed to light. Just as it's written in Isaiah, when the moon will attain a full rectification of its blemish and shine like the sun. We sanctify the moon as a way to connect with its nature and realize that the sanctification is done at that point, that it is in its most diminished and also renewed state. We are meant to be mindful that when we feel depleted and diminished, it's the moment before the greatest salvation, the greatest light. As they say, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And with the moon, we consistently see this cycle. This practice is central to us as a nation, but must be internalized within us for our own well-being. As Hashem tells Moshe right before his revelation at Sinai, Observe my covenant. You shall be to me the most beloved treasure of all peoples. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
Feeling connected to the Infinite One and being Kadosh, holy, at all times is the truest joy attainable, but it's also the hardest to achieve. Often, the things one wants the most in life are the things one struggles with and which require the most discipline. Exercise, eating healthy, bringing joy and selflessness into every day, but it's also those things that when you push yourself to attain them, they're that much sweeter because you've earned them. The laws and rituals we read about in the Torah are designed to help us build spiritual discipline, and they require spiritual discipline. They show us how to sacrifice for the deeper connection we want, and when we fall, how to rise and strive again. This is how to transcend our physical constraints of Egypt, Mitzrayim, and reach our own promised land. We can see this on a person-to-person -person basis. When in a fight, you can start to build up walls with words, judgment towards another person that can change the way you exist together. But if both people put aside their egos and speak peace into existence, being compassionate and humanizing the other, then they can reunite and coexist in peace. Light is created, love is created, and it dispels the darkness. The word for month in Hebrew is chodesh and is related to the word hitchadshut, which means renewal. We count time according to the lunar cycle starting with the month of Nisan, reminding us that time is a cycle of opportunities for renewal. So as long as we take advantage as soon as we can and before it runs out on us. The month of Nisan being chosen to be the first month of the months is perplexing since neither creation nor the giving of the Torah took place in Nisan. It's important to note that the preparation for the giving of the Torah is the exodus we are now in that took place in Nisan and that without the preparation for receiving the Torah, it would not have been revealed. In essence, creation would have been unfulfilled. We sanctify the new moon when it is not yet full and only beginning to renew itself, heading towards revelation. So too, the first of the months for us are not marked by receiving the Torah, but by our preparation for it. Nisan being the month of the plagues and Exodus as the first month is also to stress the ongoing involvement of Hashem in our universe, renewing creation at every moment. One thing that remains consistent throughout Judaism is that faith alone is never sufficient. We are now at the part of the Torah where we are to make another covenant with Hashem, transcending the physical constraints of Mitzrayim. As we read, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and there shall no plague be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. To be amongst the Jewish slaves to be redeemed from Egypt, each must be circumcised, taking an action, an outward covenant with Hashem. But even more than that was the Pesach offering, the blood from the sacrificed sheep. Sheep were seen as gods for the Egyptians, so to sacrifice one and to smear the blood on the doorpost was a demonstration of complete faith and bitachon, trust. It was a revolutionary act that could have had severe consequences, but in that time, we needed to demonstrate our faith in the imminent redemption. The Chizkuni takes us a step further, saying that not only was it a sign that we had to physically demonstrate for Hashem, but also to the Egyptians. They had spilled our blood and that we are now slaughtering their gods, commemorating our spiritual and physical freedom from their enslavement. It was a sign of the ultimate disobedience to Egypt and to Pharaoh and ultimate devotion and unification with Hashem. It's not enough to think, intellectualize, or to pledge oneself. Action is what shows Devekut, attaching oneself to God. Love isn't intellectual, it's a feeling, and one that must be followed by actions or it fades. To pledge love or faith without action is the beginning of a desire for a thing, but it is not a unification with the thing itself. The Jews couldn't only free themselves spiritually and stay in Egypt under Pharaoh while focusing on serving Hashem. They needed to take action towards freeing themselves physically from the space that they had enslaved them and crushed their spirits. 
The first step was realizing that it's never too late to overcome one's circumstances and reach redemption, but to stay far from that which enslaved us. It required more than just the inspired epiphany. For each of us to actually be our true selves, we need to strip away the parts of us that are represented by Mitzrayim, by Egypt, by this narrowness, this constriction, which is what Mitzrayim, Mitzar, means in Hebrew, and cling to the parts of us that usher in redemption and our own promised land. There's an old Hasidic story of a businessman who encroached on his neighbor's lease and business interests in a way that would take over his income and put him out of business. The businessman was rebuked by Rab Chaim Zantz and tried to defend himself, saying, but the other fellow is nothing less than a wicked sinner. It would be a veritable mitzvah, commandment to bury him. Rab Chaim was surprised how he was trying to justify it and replied, who told you that it's a mitzvah to bury the wicked? I can prove to you from evidence in the Torah that it is not a mitzvah at all. Regarding the ninth plague, the Midrash says that Hashem inflicted darkness upon the Egyptians in order that they shouldn't be able to see B'nai Israel burying those of their own brethren who died for their sins during those three days and conclude from there that B'nai Israel were also smitten by the plagues. From this, we see that the Israelites did bury their wicked brethren, but that it is not to say that it's a mitzvah to do so. In fact, Rashi comments elsewhere that the time had come for Hashem to fulfill his promise, which he had made to Avram, that he would redeem his descendants, except that they did not have mitzvot with which to occupy themselves and which would make them worthy of being redeemed. It is to this lack of mitzvot that the prophet Ezekiel refers when he says, B'nai Israel, and you were naked and bare. He forgave them with two mitzvot, the blood of the Pesach offering and the blood of circumcision. Now, in light of Rashi's comments, it's clear that burying the wicked is not a mitzvah. If it were, then our forefathers would not have been lacking in mitzvot, since they had buried so many sinners. And Rab Chaim of Zantz looked into his eyes and said, That being the case, go right home and restore the lease to the other fellow, or you will live to regret it. The new moon is marked by the action and preparation towards the revelation that will bring the final redemption. All of these are the elements of the covenant and free us and each other from constrictions to help usher in that redemption. And just like the moon that waxes and wanes, we can choose when we are stuck and feel constricted to contract or to expand. Instead of fear, anger, and hatred, we can choose openness and understanding, judging ourselves and others favorably. That is the only way to bring the clarity and freedom that we all crave because spirituality is synonymous with light. And light will soon fully dispel the darkness when the moon will forever illuminate, as Isaiah writes, and shine like the sun. With that, I will leave you with the lyrics to Bob Marley's song, Sun is Shining, on which he sings about the rainbow, the visual reminder of Hashem's covenant with us, that we will never be wiped out again, and we will be renewed rather than enslaved by the past, tapping into Teshuvah, returning. When we realize that truth and its potential, we'll sing the song of redemption, and maybe even this one by Marley. Sun is shining, weather is sweet, make you want to move your dancing feet. When the morning gathers the rainbows, want you to know I'm a rainbow too. To the rescue, here I am, want you to know y'all, want you to understand. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.